Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Take off your masks. That's what I want to talk about today. Take off your mask. We're in a series called Choose, and every week we're making really specific choices. And today we're going to choose to be known, to take off our masks. Have you ever met somebody, and after you've got to know them, you've realised that they weren't all that they were cracked up to be? Don't, like, don't look at your wife or anything like that. That'd be <laughs> eyes forward, people. Um, you know that happens, right? Or maybe it's like. Uh, you buy something and the packaging and the contents, they just don't seem to match. I had a, an experience of this a little while ago. I was at a conference in a hotel and I had a bit of downtime and I found out that the hotel had some squash courts. So I was like, let's, let's get my squash on. So I went to the reception and there was this guy on the desk and I said, excuse me, can I have some squash rackets? And no lie, he turns around to me and he says, do not ask me for squash rackets. I was like, oh. He said, this is the hotel of dreams. If you have a dream, I will make it happen for you. <laughs> Genuine, this guy's real. I was like, I'm dreaming about squash rackets. <laughs> and he was like, he clicked his fingers. And his two girls ran out. I was like, this is amazing. And talking to them. He clicks his fingers again and they run off. And so I'm waiting. I'm like, this is brilliant. This is going to be amazing. And five minutes go by, 10 minutes go by, 15 minutes go by, and these two girls go, they kind of walk back like this. Like looking like really, really scared and intimidated, this guy. And they kind of whisper, and he kind of gives them this angry look, and he goes, I'm sorry, sir, there are no squash rackets. I was like, actually, this, this hotel has disappointed me now because you said it was the hotel of dreams. And all I wanted was squash rackets. But that's, that's kind of how uh, things happen in life, I think. I wonder sometimes... And this is how people see Christians. You know, they, they look at us and they're like, genuinely, what you're advertising and the reality of what I'm beginning to see in your life, they're, they're not matching. And people get disappointed and frustrated. And I, I believe that the reason for this is because we wear masks. And we've been doing it all our lives. We've been crafting the perfect mask since we were kids. That first time somebody said to you, man up, be a man. You start crafting a mask. When somebody tried to put you in a box and said, this is how you should act. You're not this enough. You're not, you're not holy enough. You're not good enough. We begin to, to build these masks to protect us so we can fit in or so that we can stand out. And I don't think this is a new problem. I think it's ingrained in us. And I've been, I've been pastoring people. I've been working with different people. I've been preaching for long enough to know that this isn't like a problem just at school for kids. This is true whether you're 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100, you know, that we still hear those voices speaking to us today. And we still put on those masks. And we find this right from the beginning in the Bible. If you've got a Bible, you can jump straight to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis is the first book. And in this story, there's a couple called Adam and Eve. They're the first people on the planet. And God gives them one rule. And they break it. And they turn their back on God. And this is what it says happens next. Genesis 3, verses 8 to 10. It says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, 
the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I think that's a question God's going to be asking some of us today. Like, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And this is how we feel today. Afraid that if people really saw us, the real us, that they would judge us, that they would criticize us. Maybe we're afraid of a God who is austere and, and, and is judgmental. And we're thinking, if, if I let the real me out, it'll be just too vulnerable. It'll be like I'm being naked. And so we build these masks. And we have all of these different types of masks that we use at different times. For some of us, we have the mask of cool. I don't mean cool like fashionable. I mean like cool like, I'm all right. Everything's okay. I'm happy. I'm go lucky. I'm the comedian. I've got to be the life of the party. Even though I'm dying inside and everything's falling apart, I have the mask of cool. Or maybe you have the mask of strong. Us guys, we love the mask of strong. You know, you can fall off a mountain, you can have one leg hanging up, you're like, I'm all right, I'm strong, I've got this. You can be at home, you can be like, I've got to be strong. Do you know what, this family, it depends on me. I'm the rock of this family. You're not the rock of this family. Jesus is the rock of your family. We have the mask of strong, or another mask, and, and this mask is destroying generations. This mask is so, so prolific in our culture at the moment. It's this mask of sexual attractiveness. That I have to be sexually attractive. I have to wear these certain clothes. I have to do these certain things. I have to look a certain way because my value and my worth is based on how other people see me. We have the mask of sexual attractiveness. And I want to tell you, multi-masking is not the way to live. It's tiring. It's depressing, it's sad, it's heavy. And you'll only find real life, real freedom, real joy when you take off your masks. When you learn this, when you really get this, what seems like a religion suddenly becomes a relationship with a living God who just wants to transform everything in your life. And so today, I want to challenge you to take off three specific masks. But as I'm speaking, it's not only three masks. It could be that you recognize it, that God speaks to you personally and reveals a mask that you've got and challenges you. So, so I'm going to focus in on three, but, but be open for whatever you recognize God's going to tell you. And to do this, I'm going to really hone in on an incredible story in a book in the Bible called Luke. And it's in chapter 7. So if you've got a Bible, do turn there. If you don't, I'm going to put it up on the screen for you so you can follow along. And this is a story about a girl who takes off her masks. And what happens is, frankly, it's breathtaking. It's so powerful. And so we're going to jump straight into this today. Um, but as we do, I want you to use your imagination for a moment. Imagine a Middle Eastern country which is religiously conservative, and we see them on the news all the time. And imagine a woman in that culture. And imagine this woman is, maybe she's a, a, a stripper or a porn star, 
Or, or maybe she's a, an easy woman, you know, the kind of woman where, where the boys point at her and they make jokes. The one where they say, you know, she's going to be the conquest. She's the kind of woman where she walks into a room and everyone notices her, but for all the wrong reasons. And she lives in this, this culture, this context, where there's religious guys looking at her, judging her every single day. And now imagine that 2,000 years ago, where women had, had even less rights, where they weren't equal, where they couldn't vote, where women were considered to be property. Imagine that in a culture where the leading spiritual teachers of the time would say that it was a sin to even teach a woman the scriptures because it's like you're wasting the breath that God gave you. Imagine how broken she would be. Imagine how hurt this woman would be. This is the woman in the story. This is the woman we're going to talk about. So turn with me to Luke chapter 7, verse... I've forgotten, 36... There we go, verse 36. And it says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Pharisees are like, they're like the religious authority of the day. These guys were disciplined. These guys had it together. They were like the absolute opposite of this woman. They were men. And they stood out. And they were the people you go to and say what's right and what's wrong. And they would tell you. And so Jesus has gone to this Pharisee's house for dinner. And the way that they would do dinner... In this time, is they would have a low table and they would have like cushions all the way around it. I remember when we first moved into our house, we did this because we couldn't afford a proper table. We told people it was Moroccan dining. You should see Lynn's West trying to get down and around that table. Hilarious. But this is what they would do. And so they would be sitting down, their legs would be out on one elbow, and the focus of these dinners is conversation and relaxation. And around the outside, there'd be more people in the room as well. And they would be there just to hear what was being spoken. They'd be there just to learn and soak up the atmosphere. And one thing's for certain, that these kind of dinners, women were never allowed. This is the boys' club. And so, Jesus went to this home and he sat down. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. So imagine this girl in this context. And she walks up to the door. Can you imagine her? She's probably shaking, nervous, scared, ashamed. And she walks right into the center of this party. And as she does, the conversations would have stopped. Every eye would have turned to her. And she's carrying this jar full of perfume. And the scent would have gone before her. And commentators aren't sure exactly why she was sinful. It just says that she was sinful. But most agree she was probably a prostitute. And so the smell comes in. And it's probably the smell that she would use to entice men to her. Or perhaps it was the smell that she would use to cover up the smell, the scent afterwards. And this is the first smell that these men, these religious, austere, authoritative men, smell as she walks in. And she walks straight to Jesus, eyes focused. She doesn't look around the room. She doesn't focus on anyone else. She just fixes her eyes on Jesus. And I can only imagine how courageous that must have been for her in that culture at that time. Because 
frankly, you just don't do that. You, you just don't do that. As a woman, you just don't walk into that party. It wasn't done. I believe that what she did in that moment was she took off one of her masks. She took off her mask of cool. She took off her mask of, I care what people think about me. She took off her mask of, I've got to fit into these structures. And she was like, I'm just going to fix my eyes on Jesus. She doesn't puff herself up. She doesn't hide away. You know, she's not rebelling and she's not conforming. She is just focused on Jesus. So she takes off this mask of cool, fixes her eyes on Jesus, and walks into the party. Proverbs 24 Proverbs 29, maybe, verse 25, says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. You know, the reason why I think we so often take the paths that we do in life is because we're afraid of disapproval. We're afraid that people will, will think badly of us if we fit in or if we don't fit in, if we dress this way or we don't dress this way, if we do this or we don't do that. And, and the problem with the fear of disapproval is it's always worse than the actual disapproval that you get. And if you have a fear, the way you conquer it is to just head it straight on. And that's what she does. She fixes her eyes on Jesus. She says, that is my, that is my plumb line. That is my straight path. And she just walks straight in. And as she does, she sees something that nobody else was seeing at this time. She notices something about Jesus. She notices that his feet are filthy. Now, if you think in this culture at this time, they would walk with sandals through these dirty streets where animals and feces would have been everywhere. And if you went into somebody's home, what was commonly courteous would be for them to send some servants. And the servants would come and they would wash your feet. This was just standard good practice. If you were really, really poor and you didn't have servants, you would still provide a bowl of water and you'd wash their feet. And they hadn't done this. He'd come into this Pharisee's house and this, this Pharisee had been discourteous to him. He, he'd been rude. He, he'd done nothing. And I think often the things in life which are the worst aren't the things that you do, it's the things that you intentionally don't do. The honor that you don't give. The respect that you avoid. And that's what they've done to him. And this woman sees it. And, and she comes to Jesus and she falls at his feet in front of everybody. And, and I believe that as she comes to Jesus and she sees Jesus, she recognizes who he is. And she recognizes how holy he is. And she realizes how unholy she is. She recognizes how pure he is. And she sees how dirty she is. She recognizes that this man before her is her creator. And she sees that she's broken and tears pour. You know, I've met some women that are criers. This one, she's a gusher. Like, like the tears pour. How many tears do you need to wash muddy feet? The tears pour from her face. And there's there's snot and there's mascara and makeup everywhere and it is an absolute mess but it's authentic and it's real, it's not fake. She's not trying to pretend that she's something she's not. She's coming with pure authenticity at the feet of Jesus. She's kissing those feet. She pours her perfume on those feet and she washes and cleans. Can you believe she anoints the feet of her saviour? What an incredible woman. 
And she's taken off a mask, I believe, in that moment. She's taken off this mask of being strong. She's taken off this mask of, I've got it all together. She's taken off this mask of, I have to look like I'm in control. I have to look like I know what I'm doing. And she said, I just need my saviour. You see, every mask we put on in life, really what it's covering up is a need. Because we don't want to look like we have needs. We don't want to look like we haven't got it all together. But the truth is, and this might be news for you today, we all have needs. Every single one of us. Do you know what? I need Jesus right now as I'm preaching to you. I need Jesus in my family. I need Jesus in my work. I need Jesus in my neighborhood. You need Jesus everywhere you go. The the single center of our faith is the realization that we've come to the end of ourselves and we need a savior, that we can't do it on our own. And she has got to this point. She's taken off her mask of, I'm strong enough. And she says, I just need you. And she falls to her knees at the feet of her savior. And this isn't like an act of lust. It's an act of love. This is a pure act of passion. Somewhere else in the Bible, Paul says that a woman's hair is her glory. And so she takes what's glorious, her hair, which she has washed and looked after, conditioned, and she uses it as a towel to dry his feet. And I'll tell you something, this would have been like so awkward. You think of awkward moments you've had in life, this would have been like ranking up there. All of these guys are just looking at this woman and being like, This is like crazy. This is insane. What does she think she's doing? In this culture, it was against the rules for a woman to even touch a man in public. She's kissing his feet and washing them with her hair. This would have been so uncomfortable. And so they're all internally judging her. Inside their heads, they're thinking, Jesus, if he only knew who she was, he would never be letting her touch him. And we do this. We look at people and we judge them and we do it silently. We do it inside ourselves and we criticize and we have this poison and we often don't speak it out, but it's going round and round in our heads. And this is what they were doing. And Jesus knows exactly what they're thinking. And the leader of this group of Pharisees is a guy called Simon. And he's like, I'm going to take this moment now. I'm going to turn it into a teaching point. Like, I think that he plays with Simon a little bit. He's like, Simon, let's do some simple maths, because you're a, big, you're a big clever teacher. You know it all together. So let's do some simple maths. Let's see if you can get this right. He says, there's a man, and he loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, cancelling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? And someone's like, well, that's easy. The one who had the biggest debt. And Jesus is like, exactly, exactly. You see, Simon believed that there was two types of people in this world. There was good and bad. There was holy and unholy. There was together and broken. And Jesus is like, you're close. There are two types of people in this world, but you've missed up the categories. There's Jesus and there's everybody else. He's like, we've all got debts. We're all broken. We're all equal. Just some of us have realized how much we're forgiven more than others. Jesus, I think of it like this. Imagine, you know, like every month you get a credit card statement and it tells you how much you've spent and what your debt is. Or maybe you get your utilities bill or or you'll get your mortgage bill or something. You get every single month a list of your debts. 
Jesus is kind of saying, imagine if God did that. Imagine if God looked at your life and said, for everything you did wrong, I'm going to list it. Everything that, that you didn't do, that you should have done. Every opportunity that you missed. Every thought that came out. Every, every time you were judgmental. Imagine if God listed those and gave it to you at the end of every single month and was like, here you go, mate, here's your debt. Pay that back. That's what Jesus is saying God's like. He's like, but the difference is God is like that guy. He's like the banker who gives you your debt and then says, and here's a check. I've paid them. They're all paid. Jesus is saying, if you know your debt, you'll know how much you've been saved. Like we're all equal. Simon, he was wearing this kind of mask of, of self-righteousness. This mask of comparison. Like I'm looking at you and at least I'm not as bad as you are. You know, I might not be a saint, but I've never killed someone. I've never lied. And Jesus is like, you've got this all muddled up, Simon. You've got this all muddled up. Because we're all equal at the cross. And Jesus is, is, is hinting about what's going to be happening next. But what he says is incredible because when you're self-righteous, when you're judgmental, when you're comparing, what you're actually doing is just focusing on yourself. So Jesus turns around to him. And he says, that's right. And he looks at the woman and to Simon. He says, look at this woman kneeling here. Like, do you even see her, Simon? Are you so caught up in yourself, in your own mask, in your own outward appearance that you can't even see this girl? You can't even see what's happening here. He says, when I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she's washed them with tears and wiped them with hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. But from the time I came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed me with rare perfume. It's like he's saying, you think you've got it all sorted, but she's the teacher here. This woman, this prostitute, this person who has just looked at being the, the hardest, the dirtiest, the worst in society, you're supposed to be the best. She's the one who's got this right. You need to look to her. It's a bit like a, the Pope. Imagine Jesus taking a prostitute to the Pope and saying, you could learn something from her because her heart is right. You know, I believe there's people here today and you're like, I feel distant from God. Like I'm struggling to hear his voice or I feel like he's far away. And I want to tell you that you're, the distance between you and God is not your sins. It's not the things that you've done wrong. It's the masks and the walls and the barriers that you put up in the way. You know, I think so often we walk around and it's like we're dressed like Superman and we're trying to pretend to be Superman, but it's like you can dress any way you want. You're not Superman. Only God is. He's like, just be you. Be real. God wants you to know who you are. Because he doesn't want to transform your masks. He wants to transform who you are deep in the center. And it comes out, right? You know, when you're in a hard time, when you're in the fight and the fire hits, it always comes out. And so it's better to be real and to say, I'm going to make a decision today to take off my mask so that God can transform me deeper. I had a, a time when I think this 
I realized this in a, a really big way in my own life. Uh, a few years ago, Emma and I, we had uh, an ectopic pregnancy, and uh, it was this, this barrel of emotions. You know, finding out you're pregnant, incredible. Losing the baby, devastating. And, and it wasn't even like we knew that child, so I didn't know how to react and how to feel. Uh, and I could see that Emma was broken and, and she was struggling, and so I was like, I need to be the strong one here. I need to be the rock in this family. I need to be the one who carries it on. And I put on a mask. And people would ask me, I'd be like, I'm fine. I'm cool. I'm chilled. Everything's all right. I've got it all together. Because I don't want you to know what's going on. And, and so I'm thinking, I've got to hold this all together. And, and I did the best I could. And I remember a few months later, we're driving down on holiday to Cornwall. And Emma said, like, you don't talk about this anymore. You don't mention it. It's like you, you brushed it under a carpet. It's like it didn't happen. And I realized, like, I'd just, I'd just been living fake. I'd just been pretending. And, and I, I remember in that car, taking off this mask. And, and there was snot. And there were tears. And, and it, was, it was painful. And I started to mourn for the first time. And it was only when I took that off that I suddenly realized that I was not right. You know, in Genesis, when they first put on their masks, that's the moment when peace left. And you won't find peace in your life until you take off your mask. And I, I genuinely believe that keeping your mask on is one of the most selfish things that you can do. Because it was only once I removed that mask, I was actually able to help. It was only once I actually said, you know what, I can't do this and I need Jesus, that I suddenly found that healing and I was suddenly able to go to other people and say, you know what, I know what you're going through. I've experienced this myself. And let me help you by pointing to who helped me. But until you're real and you take off that mask, you can never do that for other people. 2 Corinthians 3, 14 to 18 says this. The people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, that same veil covers their minds so that they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can only be removed by believing in Christ. Even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious, his glorious image. I need God. I need Jesus. And the only way you take off your mask, I believe, is when you realize who you are, and who God is. When you say, I want to know God and I want to be known. I don't want to be like that trick glass, you know, where you can only see one, th one way through. I want to just be transparent. I want to be vulnerable. I want to be real. I want to experience real freedom, real life. I don't just want my masks to change and be better, but I want the change to come from right in the center. And then I want to go out and help other people discover that center that's transformed everything else. It is only through Jesus that you will ever find freedom. 
I love that story. I love that this woman who should have been the least, she should have been the one who had nothing to teach anybody, she becomes the teacher. And it's incredible because a little bit later in the story, there comes a point and Jesus has his disciples around them, around him, and he says, I want to do something for you. I want to wash your feet. And he gets a bowl of water and he gets down on his knees and he starts, he starts just wiping away all the dirt and all the dust. And do you know what I wonder as he was doing that? Whether he was remembering this prostitute and the way that she'd ministered to him first. If he was looking at her humility, her vulnerability, if he was looking at her and the way that she'd taken off all of her masks and he was trying to teach his disciples something and saying, this is the kind of leader that I need you to be. A leader without a mask, a leader without pretense. I don't want fake people. Do you know what? I heard somebody say, if you want honesty, don't come to a church, go to a pub. I believe that day's gone. We're building a community here where you can come and you can be honest and you can be real and you don't have to have the behavior straight. You know, you don't have to believe everything, but you can come and you can belong because we're not trying to have masks. We're not trying to make it up. We're just coming to the cross and we're falling at Jesus' feet and saying, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you in my work. I need you in my family. I need you in my marriage. I need you as a father. I need you in everything. I want us to take a moment. In this whole story, this woman, she speaks not a word. She's silent. I think we spend too much time speaking. So I'm going to ask Andy to sing. And his words are going to be for all of us. They're going to be our worship. But I want to encourage you, wherever you are, to just take this time to be at Jesus' feet. And to say, Jesus, I want to be known. I want to know you. I want to take off my mask. I want to be real. And maybe you want to look at those masks and say, let's be honest, what has this ever given me? What have I achieved through dressing up like this? And then look at Jesus and just spend some time. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.